Welcome to the Information Entry Podcast, where we sift through the buzz to bring clarity to complex topics. I'm Mitchell, and today we're diving into the industrious world of bees. As per usual, I'm joined by Tom Jenks. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Thanks, Tom. These tiny architects <laughs> of the ecosystem are the unsung heroes of pollination and biodiversity. Join us as we uncover the remarkable life of bees, decode their dances, and discover what these little creatures can teach us about the nature's delicate balance. That's just hopping, flying, buzzing. Um, buzzing! That is it. That, that's what that was. Okay. Well, I'm buzzing in. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was writing the intro earlier. I was like, there's no way I can get like buzzing, buzz off. But like, <laughs> When you have a, like a, a game show, you buzz in. You do. So it, it yeah. works. It fully works. It we fully, need to get buzzes. Yeah. I like how you've I've given got, me I've, a, I've a designated, oh, say hello, Tom. So I don't just, oh, there you go. Yeah, I got the old buzz buzz. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I give you the little the hello. The designated. <laughs> so I don't have to go rogue and just shout hello at some <laughs> random point. Uh, I've been, this is the way to keep me under control. <laughs> this is your cue yes. time speak now mm-hmm. hold mm-hmm. your peace hold your peace yeah uh obligatory if you can follow us on one of our socials we appreciate it but but no no wazzers if you if you don't want to yeah like, i listen to i listen to a bunch of podcasts that i don't follow them on the socials it's all good no no hard feelings <laughs> yeah awesome source yeah today we're talking about bees today we are talking about bees um, this came from the end of the last episode where we did. nearly went on for 20 minutes talking about apiary or apiary no it's apiary live. isn't it, it, is it it's, it's apiary. gotta be it's gotta be yeah gotta be um, uh, which is all to do with bees and like a, a place i feel like you're are. selling it short it's not just to do with bees it's to do uh, with I, sentient I, I the, the, space the, the, bees <laughs> Okay, I meant the real life. Oh, I see. Not the game. Oh, so the I game. <laughs> In a far distant future. <laughs> We're going to do the, the intro to it. Oh, you could, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Humans. <laughs> so this is this is all to do with the board game. It's just inspired the, the... the We didn't kickstart it because it wasn't kickstarted, but there was like a bit of a pre-purchase and Tom and I were like, this sounds like a really big board game. It's made by Stone Meyer, who... Uh, they make my favorite. Made my favorite game called Scythe board game. Yeah, Great. they also made Wingspan. If any of you, uh, your favorite game, <laughs> it's a very, very good. Yes, would recommend. Yeah. Um, and um, as soon as I saw they were making a game about space, which we all know I love, and bees, yeah. I was like, "How? Yes, give it to me." Mm. And yeah. uh, it arrived the other day. Yeah, we got numbered boxes. We're Tom and I are five numbers apart because we're cute like that. Just so cute. <laughs> we're just syncing our lives together, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's funny. Okay, I was like, "What's the number?" And we're like, "Oh, twenty-five foot." So what annoys on, me on is that yours is together. five less than mine, and I yeah, ordered it before you. Yeah. Um, uh no, you didn't. Did I not? No, no. Uh, when you were like, when you said about it, I just instantly bought it because I'm compulsive like that. Yeah, no, um, that's fair. Oh, but this is not sponsored. We just love Stonemaier <laughs> games. However, yeah, if you're listening and you'd people. like to sponsor us, oh, that'd be great. Well, we wouldn't if, say we wouldn't say no. Yeah, like know? just if we just let us become Stone Meyer champions for free <laughs> as a sponsorship, uh, um, that would be great, and we will show your stuff because it's good quality stuff. Like is, so, with the the site fantastic. pre-order, um, all the little tokens you get with the game, they actually made metal ones. So, oh, like the money was metal, uh, and like. 
the because the, there's like iron wheat and different resources just like apiary um they yeah they were all metal yeah and you can actually purchase them now from the website i think as like a expansion oh, that's good with um yeah. the apiary it's a good quality cardboard but they do say if you lose a piece they'll just re- they'll just replace it. you just have to fill out a form so they know which piece to send you um oh, but like awesome. the actual pieces you use are like solid i think i think it's resin but really nice detail and painted nicely yeah. um but yeah essentially do, uh expansions i hope so i like, think they sorry. will ba- yeah, basically um just to give people a, a small background it's a worker placement game you have little bees that you place on the map you send them out to do actions and then you call them back to get resources um i played the first game last night with george great fun quite complicated a lot going on but it's not as complicated as it first seems once you actually play it's one of those games yes that's that's always Um, always the case and yeah just there's so many you can play as 20 different factions so 20 different bees so you each have a different power and then you've got five different spaceships so every time you play it's going to be different and then the actual tiles on the board that you can purchase and slot into your spaceship it's kind of like ftl in that sense faster than life if anyone's played that um then yeah so literally every time you play it's gonna be different i think it's got a lot of replayability i'm very excited to uh get more people into it because with um forcibly (laughs) yes with scythe they released like expansions to the main game so you could like like so the spaceship layouts i guess would work with apiary the, yeah the, like here's another spaceship here's another spaceship here's another spaceship maybe a different here's deck planets, or like dances like yes. things things exactly. like that and everything um, taken in the game is like true to like actual b stuff so i think when the person designed it they designed it just to be an actual b game and it would be set in beehives and then they added the sci-fi theme later on because it worked better and yeah. um so like you've got stuff like frames which you know, if you're into beekeeping, you know what frames are. It's where all the different uh, honeycombs kept, the cells. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just everything is just bee-related, slash space-related. You explore planets. You make your colony grow. Your bees hibernate. It's really a good time. Would recommend. Would recommend. The artwork is absolutely stunning. Um, I need to shout out who actually made the game. If we're going to do that. So it was published by Stonemaier Games, but it was designed by Connie Vogelman and the art is by Quan Chai Maria. I'm sorry if I'm absolutely butchering that name, but uh, yeah, absolutely stunning. Really is beautiful. Check it out. Check Hmm. it out. Check it out. That's why this week's episode. Before we dive into this week's episode on bees and their dances and the royal jelly, um, the royal jelly, the news mm. today at ten. Bum, well, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, so this week's news is all about melanin. Oh. And what's melanin, Tom? Melanin is a pigmentation. Yep. With humans, we find it specifically in the skin. Yeah. But anytime you see black pigmentation in the world uh it's normally melanin melanin derived so think about beetles ants uh that's melanin yeah 
Uh, I think also it's hair. responsible for producing vitamin D, or it's somewhere in that process. Yeah. Or whether I'm just so, relating skin and sun, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, provides the pigment of our, ki- uh, of our skin and also our hair. Uh, also plays a key role in protecting a skin from ultraviolet light, repairing wounds. And it's the repairing wounds that uh, some researchers try to drill down into to create a synthetic version of melanin, and they're calling it super melanin, uh, that when applied as a skin cream nearly doubles the speed of skin healing follow, following an injury. So this compound describes... That's cool. Uh, could offer dermatologists a powerful new tool for treating and even preventing skin damage from overexposure to the sun, radiation therapy, or chemical burns. There's like pretty That's pretty wild. sick stuff going on. Yeah, because so currently they like when you do the grafting, you take skin from elsewhere and put it down and try and like yeah. you know, prepare it. But now they're actually being like, I wonder if you could like super boost some melanin to actually fix the issue. That's cool. So. Melanin is actually a single name that refers to a family of five closely related compounds. Uh, most of these is known as emulin, which absorbs UV light and suppresses compounds known as reactive oxygen species, so RS, that are generated by sunburn and other types of skin damage. But natural levels of melanin, which vary among people in both types uh, and quantities to produce different skin tones. So often aren't enough to prevent damage from overexposure to the sun or other chemical irritants. That damage then triggers inflammation, swelling, releases a cascade of immune proteins, other things that break down scaffolding found in skin during healing, anti-inflammatory immune cells eventually migrate to the region and calm the immune response. So what they're saying is, and what they've done, is they're getting a souped-up version where they've packed all this into it um, to try and like boost it immediately. The researchers started with dopamine, dopamine, um, which is a derivative of an amino acid that is a starting point for melanin, and then followed two different strategies to link millions of copies of that compound together in order to produce a version that is a souped-up version of the ROS in the skin wound. Um, and they, they've tried a whole bunch of different ways of like applying it, um, but one route involved tightly packed nanoparticles. Love some nanoparticles. We do. Um which would create a more porous, you know, bigger surface area that can interact with the skin. Um, yeah. And, and that's very proved, cool. Proved to work. So that's on the, on the horizon. So it's ever, every day we inch closer to like the sci-fi medical experiences yeah. where they just like spray skin on and then it's fixed. Yeah. They, they just <laughs> sla- slapping a, a, a cream on everything and it works fine. Yeah. Wild. That's really cool. I had no idea about that. Because I know for a while, they, were, especially for burns and things, they were using like tilapia skin. Tilapia being a fish. Um, and that had healing properties as well. So if uh, they couldn't get grafts quickly, they'd use tilapia skin. Mm. Um, and maybe that was a melanin produced thing as well, or just to act as a second skin whilst uh, it healed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really cool. Melanin. Yeah. Melanin, super melanin, super melanin. So, uh, if you want some of that, just go stand out in the sun for a bit as well. Yeah, if you're like me and in Scotland, and that's not an option, um, good luck. Take your bit vitamin D tablets. Yeah, I was gonna say, you, you got some vitamin D tablets for yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I don't have any, I should go get some. Isn't like government not mandated, but um. Advised. Advised. Yeah. I mean, trying to see, like, can I see 
when our sunrise was today. Yeah, six forty-five, and then it sets at seven at five o'clock. No sunset, sixteen twenty-four, four twenty-four today. Sunset, slightly depressing. Yeah, that's the world we live in. Yep. Cool. Bees. Bees rely so, on the circadian bees. rhythm of the sun. And if you want to find out more about that, you could listen to our episode last week. Yeah. That was but professional. Bee facts. Bee facts. Bee facts. Fun, fun, bee facts. I have fun. These are actually fun. Um, actually, no. One of them's depressing. So, uh, okay. I'll start with the depressing one and then we can ramp up into fun stuff. Um, so, obviously, in the last five, ten years, there's been a massive push to save the honeybee um, as pollinators. And we've all heard, you know, there are even some sci fi movies about honeybees die out and then there's no food left because there's no pollinators left. So, everyone's getting really into beekeeping and saving the honeybees. And it's worked really well. Honestly, it's kind of worked too well. Honeybees are no longer endangered, but every single other type of bee is. <laughs> um, so uh, the domesticated, quote-unquote, honeybees um, that are now in many regions are causing a decline in wild bee populations because um, of competition. And also if there uh, comes an infection in the hive that you know causes the, the colony to collapse, it can easily spread mm-hmm. to nearby colonies wild colonies as well so um yes honeybees doing great all other types of bees could use the little help uh that's my first i guess slightly depressing fact and uh the other one would be about how does a bee know which plant to visit oh so, yeah i this is anyway i don't think i covered this in, in my research but i think it's is, this, is it static? It's not static, it's the chart, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So plants, slowly over time, will build up a positive electrostatic charge. Just a tiny one. Like, you know if you like rub a balloon and it makes your, ha- your hair stand on end or something like that? Just like that. Bees, whilst they're flying, build up a negative charge. Um, so when they land on a flower or a petal, uh, the, the charges cancel out, the bee flies off, rebuilds its negative charge and then the flower takes a long time to build that positive charge up again if a bee flies near a petal it can sense that charge um and if it senses the charge it knows a bee hasn't been on that plant to collect the nectar or pollen recently so it will land on it Um, so it's just a really cool efficient way to not have to land on something to check if the pollen is there or not um just staggeringly cool yeah yeah very awesome very awesome what about you what are your uh what are your facts of the day facts of the whole day well no facts about bees uh bee vision is the first my first fact they have five eyes and they can see ultraviolet light which is invisible to humans which yes everybody listening to this will know because they can't see it um <laughs> this helps them find flowers and many plants that reflect uv light from the petals yeah. So not only they can see the charge, they can see them as beacons of light that we can't from afar. It really is wild. Um, we looked at some of these in a biology class once. We looked at the UV patterns on plants. Um, obviously, they made it so that we could see them using a UV camera. Really, it completely changes how the plants look. It's crazy. 
Beautiful. Yeah. You gonna describe how they look? Honestly, it's one of those. I, it's one of those things that's really hard to describe because we can't see it, right? So I'd be describing an interpretation of something we can't see. Uh, Google it. That's <laughs> what oh, I would nice. say. It doesn't nice always match out. up with the color of the plant, but it makes yeah. them look like really like bright, like Landon strips uh, that make them really stand out against the rest of the vegetation. So it is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I would not do an adequate job, I'm afraid. Okay, second one. Wing beats. Uh, a bee's wings will beat about 200 times per second, which creates their distinctive buzz noise. Ah, okay. That's pretty fast. That's a lot, isn't it? Per yeah. second. Per second. <laughs> bob, 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 bob. Yeah. I'm trying to think of um, sci-fi things that, like... The ornithopters from June? Yeah, that's what came into mind. Shame that's in June, but that's, that's good. Why? Why is Part it a shame? Because oh, June... You know my opinions on June. Yeah. I sent you a meme fair. the other day did. about like a regular person trying to read or listen to June being played on like audiobook or a movie, and it's just like... Uh... Paul was shown to... The planet blah 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 and the family of flip flop floop and they yeah, were yes. angry with the floop flops <laughs> yeah, because they had the, taken the flip flops. The hurdy gurdies exactly. system. Yeah. I, I, get it. I get it. And my argument was it's a 1960s book and back then that was the style in which to narrate something and make it seem so alien because um, sci-fi was an emerging uh, genre at the time. And you know, the foundation's kind of the same. That's uh, true. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say. But it's yeah, it's very much the noise, the noise, the helicopter. They're not even helicopters, but then they made a, a Lego version of that. Yes, I saw it. So thing. cool. The guy who designed it was did made a video. Uh, yes. it just how excited he was about all the features he'd managed to put in it was, uh, it was infectious. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then my last one, which I did, I was like, found it so interesting, the whole section on it, is um, temperature control. Bees maintain a hive temperature of around 35 degrees to nurture the brood. Broody. That's 95 degrees Fahrenheit for our American chaps and chapettes. Chapet. Um, but I've done a whole section on how they keep it cool, because it's a bit ridiculous. Okay. It's a bit ridiculous how they how they manage to keep it cool. So we've talked about we'll bees and the vision then. and the wing beats and the temperature controls and all that kind of stuff. What is a bee? What, what even is a, is a bee? Bit nuts, if you insect. ask me. It's an insect. It is an insect. Yeah, so yep. the order Hymenoptera. Yep. Superfamily. Opidea. Yeah. Represented a, a group of winged yeah. pollinators that have cultivated long-standing relationship with plants. Yeah, I guess it's um, coevolution. As the plants have evolved, the bees have evolved with them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The plants couldn't survive without the bees. The bees couldn't survive without the plants. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for those so, out there that want to know, it's taxonomic classifications. Within oh, please, the superfamily of the Apodea, these are categorized into several families. Am I saying it wrong? Apoid? Uh, well, I was thinking Apoidea. Why would, it be ap- 
Why would it be about poedia? Because it's Latin. And they, every time you, you don't join, just because you see an O and an I together, it doesn't mean they make a new sound. Latin, it makes the O, then the I sound. Like in like modern Italian. But it's fine. I, I honestly don't know how it would be pronounced. So you, you go with your pronunciation. And then we'll stick with it. Apoidia. Apoidia. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Where was I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> several families, such as the Apidae, which include honeybees and bumblebees, the Halictidae, known as sweet bees. Uh, these diverse sweat bees. Are... Yeah. Sweet, sweet bees. No, sweat. Yeah, no, that's what. Um, these diverse families encompass over 20,000 known species distributed across various habitats across the world, uh, with new species regularly being discovered. Yeah. I had a look at the general classifications of bees, um, mm-hmm. and there are mm-hmm. seven of them, very general ones. Are the honeybees, which we all know, um, they to be under the genus Apis, um, most well-known, have the social structure that we all expect. Uh, they live in colonies with decision, with division of labor. Um, and the most common honeybee species is the Apis mellifera. Um, and they're used widely for their honey production and commercial pollination services. You can actually rent a hive these days to pollinate your plants. Farmers do this quite often, I think, actually. Um, then you've got your bumblebees in the genus Bombus. They are social bees that also live in colonies, but they are much smaller and less complex compared to honeybees. They're known for their large, round bodies, distinctive black and yellow coloration. Um, solitary bees. There's actually many hundreds of species of solitary bees. I think people just don't know about. Um, and as the name suggests, they don't form colonies or hives, and they live independent lives. Each female bee will build her own nest and provide for her offspring. Um, and they're further divided into lots of different subfamilies as well. You then have carpenter bees which are solitary bees known for their ability to excavate and they nest uh, inside of wood. Sweat bees, which are attracted to human sweat. And it's probably the most common type of wild bee encountered by people. That's not a honeybee. Uh, Mm. Orchid bees, which have a very specific relationship with orchid flowers. And in fact, uh, the orchid flowers mimic how bees look in ultraviolet which is a wild relationship, and that attracts bees. Some orchid flowers have even learnt to mimic the bee uh, distress pheromone, which attracts hornets to check out the flower, because it wants to kill the bees that are distressed. Um, And then that's how it tricks a hornet into pollinating itself. Really weird. And then the last type is cuckoo bees, which are a group of bees that are parasitic, they don't build their own nests or collect food, but instead lay their eggs in the nests of other bee species so that the other bees raise their young as if it was was their own, like the cuckoo bird. Oh, that's where he gets mm. his name from. So, yeah, kind of wild. I didn't know there were cuckoo bees. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy yeah. Stuff. Parasites everywhere. Literally. Always. Always. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's a good way of survival. So why would it why, is. why would we not like we do it? 
Uh, yeah, Baby's I prefer the... looking at you. <laughs> Just such a contentious <laughs> point. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I respect it. I respect it. Yeah, um, I will die on this hill. It's flag valid. in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, no, martyr. Parasites, by definition. Um, but I prefer parasitic bees to parasitic wasps. You don't want those laying their eggs in oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's yeah. gross. Yeah. Yeah, that is gross. Yeah. Um, they, they, wasps, uh, they've got what's coming to them. Uh, like, it's in the pipeline. I'll get what's coming to them. Yeah, every so often I really have to take a minute to remember that wasps are important. But it's a struggle. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a real struggle. It's a real yeah. struggle to sit down and be like, should we just kill all the wasps? Yeah, no, they do. <laughs> As a biologist, not, not like I must believe that they're important. Mosquitoes literally have nothing going for them. No. Self-perpetuation is all. Yeah. Yeah. Little scummy little things. <laughs> 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 Alright, um, so morphology features of bees. Yes. Legs. Common structure characteristics of insects. Segmenting body with a head, a thorax, an abdomen. Six yeah. legs, two pairs of wings. However, they've evolved unique features that facilitate their roles as pollinators. Their bodies are often covered in an array of branched or feather-like hairs called setae? Yeah. Okay, I have pause for your approval. Uh, which <laughs> trap pollen grains. Many species exhibit structures such as scopae or pollen baskets, specifically adapted for the collection and transport of the pollen. Then a bee houses complex eyes composed of thousands of tiny lenses, omatidia, capable of detecting a range of colors including ultraviolet lights which is as you said before invisible to humans but guides them to nectar through patterns on the petals and the petals themselves as nectar guides um they also have simple eyes or celly that sense light intensity they also have a pair possess a pair of sensitive antennae that detects chemical signals and physical aspects of the environment including air currents it's wild i i decided to google pollen basket on a bee yeah. yeah and it's some of the cutest pictures i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> they, it's like they've got side satchels under and on their legs uh, their, yeah, their hind legs and then they yeah. fly around with these little side satchels of pollen that they've just packed yeah. onto themselves oh, it's so mm. cool yeah i wonder if that's like an active process or that's just like the only place that pollen catches does that make sense? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Are they storing it there or is they, yeah, are they, are they specifically packing it there? Like just rubbing it there? I think. I imagine, no, it, it, they must put it in their mouth and then put it on there, right? Because yes. otherwise the pollen wouldn't stick to itself. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. fully. Uh, so, yeah, they are putting there. They are filling up their satchel and then um, flying home. Another fun fact, which I forgot to say, which is really fun. Um, sometimes when bumblebees get tired, they just fall asleep in flowers. So you can Google be in flower sleeping and there are many pictures yeah. of that and it was just bright in your day yep just fair um also to talk about the morphology and the physical adaptations uh bees digestive systems uh, are specifically designed to efficiently process nectar and pollen which is the primary components of their diet the probicasis a long straw-like tongue enables Probiscus. bees to Proboscis enables bees to suck up nectar <laughs> from flowers. So once ingested, the nectar is converted into honey in the honey stomach. Yes, they have a honey stomach. 
through a process involving enzymatic action and regurgitation, serving as food uh, reserve for the colony. They also have a very complex respiratory system that does not rely on lungs. Instead, oxygen is transported directly to body tissue through a network of trachea and air sacs. Uh, oh. The open circulatory system means that their blood, hemolymph, is not confined to blood vessels, but bathes internal organs directly with a tube-like heart to pump the <laughs> hemolymph through their bodies. Yeah, this is wild. <laughs> They've got an air sac on the back of their thorax, which is the mid- middle segment, it yeah. looks like, and mm. openings along the abdomen, which is the bit that pulses and has the stinger at the end. Yeah. Um, and it looks like, yeah, air just kind of goes through that. Yeah, and then it like, their, their organs are bathed in oxygen instead of being pumped full of oxygen by lungs. Oh, that's well, honestly, it's an effective method. Just do it by straight diffusion. Yeah. Yeah. Efficiency gains. Uh, Efficiency gains. Efficiency skill issue. Yeah, skill issue. <laughs> um, oh, well, imagine needing lungs, skill issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we go on to a different section now? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a quick overview of the colony structure. Oh, you do that, and then I'll go um, the And dance. then that can go into, yeah. The safety um, dance. So in honeybees, uh, so I'm going to speak about honeybees specifically. This is the Apis mellifera, which is the, you know, most common, one of the most common species that most people will know about. I think this is a North American species. Um, mm. So <clears throat> they exist in a highly organized structure split into three castes or groups, each of which serves a specific function. Now, interestingly, every single bee in the colony starts its life as an egg with the same potential. Uh, it, the eggs are, you know, they're not identical genetically, but pr- pretty much. Like, they are the same egg. Then, depending how that egg is treated or cared for, determines its role in the colony. So, at kind of the, I guess, the lowest of the low, you have the drone bees. Their role in the colony is they are just males. Their primary purpose is to mate with queens from other colonies. They do not forage, they don't participate in hive maintenance, um, and in the winter, all the males, the drones, are just kicked out of the hive to reserve resources for all the females over the wintering period. So basically, the the males are sent out to die in the winter. Um, Now, how you get a male is uh, they are unfertilized egg laid by the queen in a large cell, um, the drone comb in the hive indicates that a colony is preparing to raise drones for mating. Um, they're produced only in the warming season when the queens are going away on mating flights. And they are just given kind of like the, the most basic food um, that can be given. Uh, mm. Up from that, you have worker bees. Uh, their role uh, is and they're the most numerous cast in the colony. And they perform a wide range of things. They go out and collect nectar, pollen water they build and maintain the hive they nurse the brood they guard the colony uh, these all be female bees um, and essentially without this cast you, you don't have a functioning hive um, they are developed from fertilized eggs and they will go through several stages including uh, the egg to the larva to the pupa and then they'll they'll go into the worker bees and they are, they are bigger than the drones normally um, and the work development of worker bees is influenced by nutrition, so the type of food that they're given, and the different hormonal signals that they are around, uh, depending where they've been laid, uh, in in the, the frame or in, in the hive. 
And then the last one is one of the most famous, which is the queen bee. Now, the role of the queen is simply to be the re reproductive center of the colony. She's laying eggs. She's producing new worker bees. She's producing new drones. She also releases pheromones that regulate the behavior and development of other bees in the colony. Uh, I don't know if, on my, for some reason, my TikTok is just full of beekeeper rescue videos. And essentially, if you can find the, the queen bee and move her somewhere, mm -hmm. because of the pheromones that she releases, every single other bee will follow. Um, yeah, so they move them between hives, Yeah, all you need to do is move the queen, and then all the bees will move on their own accord. You don't have to move all the, the bees separately. Now, queens are developed from very special eggs. Well, the eggs are the same, but they receive a very specific diet, uh, something called royal jelly, that I think Mitch has more information on um, than royal I do. Jelly. And basically, they're given this royal jelly throughout their larval stage, and that's what determines that they're going to become a queen. Then they're needed much larger cells because the queen is going to be a lot bigger. And these are known as queen cells. And the first queen to emerge um, kind of ends up in a... So obviously the, the colony will make several queens at once just to ensure that if they need a new queen, um, the queen, like there is at least one if the other cells don't make it. Um, so when a queen emerges, the first thing that they do is they scour the hive to find potential other queen cells and they kill them um, by stinging them or chewing through the, the cell caps uh, hmm. before they're ready to emerge, which means that, that they die. Because um, there can only be one queen at a time. But yeah, most things in the hive are driven through pheromones, um, especially on the queen side of things. But basically her role is to lay eggs in a very specific pattern in the cell uh in the cell structure the, the different honeycomb frames and uh yeah that's uh, the basic wrap-up of the colony of a, a honeybee so you got your workers your drones and your queen bee and what i think is most interesting about that is that they all start off the same and it's it's generally just is it fertilized yeah, or not fed. or is it what they're fed uh, it's yeah. mad. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Mm. Really cool, though. Yeah. Imagine humans were like that. Yeah, like, all right, as a, as a child, here, eat some honey. Right, because you're eating yeah. honey, honey, you're now going to be a worker. You're going to sit think, in Aldi. Um, is it Bugs Life or Ants, where they actually show this kind of process fairly well? You have, like, the queen ant, and she's just there giving birth and deciding which ants will have what job in the colony and what they're fed um anyway if you're of a different generation to me and these 90s <laughs> uh, early or mid 90s cartoon thing i don't know why that was a yeah. thing at the time but you had a bug's life and ants ants was far too scary for what it needed to be at that age but really good i would go back and so watch them bug's life bug's life is terrifying yeah, the Hoppo, the the who's a is a cricket. Yeah, I think he is a cricket. Hopper the cricket. Yeah, he gets. I mean, that makes sense though. with the uh, the name Hopper. Yeah, and then the most horrific villain deaths in Disney, and he gets torn apart by a. Oh, he does. Yeah, bird. he gets in by the bird, and the, the two woodlouse have his eye stalks. That is. Oh yes, it is funniest. gross. 
Um, um, Ant is a bit. Uh, was it? Un- what's the thing where something looks almost human, but it's not, and it's weird? Uh, anthropomorphic. Uncanny Valley. No. No, anthropomorphic is just we make it seem human. Yeah. Uncanny Valley. Yeah, okay, they, so they've they, anthropomorphized they the ants. Yeah. But Uncanny yeah. Valley is that sensation when you look at something. It's and yeah, uh yeah. But it's not. That's not what it is. Yeah. People okay. people are not looking at this and being like, Oh, that's so realistic. Like it seems a bit off. It I'm I'm not sure if you're viewing it from your nostalgic <laughs> like not uh what's it called? Remembering glasses. No, it's just that I'm looking at it now and it looks they look far too human than they should. Yeah. And that's weird. But okay, I, I get what you mean. It's not that's Uncanny not. Valley. Yeah, yeah you're right. Well. Anyway, go watch that. It's a wild ride. Oh, man, yeah. The Termite yeah. War. Terrific. The termite also, War. Also, looking at remembering, like, worst villain deaths. In, uh, I was going to say it's a Jungle Book, but it's not a Jungle Book. Um, Tarzan, the animated one. Yeah. The, the guy gets hung. The bad guy. At the end. He really? gets hung by rights. Yeah, you don't see him, but there's like a flash of lightning and you see his outline of how that's how he dies. Brutal. For like a kid's show. That TV is brutal. Like kid's movie. Right, get us back on track. The bee dance. Yes. More formally known as the waggle dance. It's a sophisticated form of communication used by bees to convey information about the location of resources. Typically foods like nectar, water, or new sites for nesting and to follow their fellow colony members uh it was discovered by carl von fritsch Fritsch? Fritsch? i think it's Fritsch, who won a nobel prize for his work if you didn't know no i didn't yeah it's that the wagon dance is a remarkable example of non-human symbolic communication now how it works right so when a forager bee discovers a rich source of food they will return to the hive and perform the wagon dance on the honeycomb the dance is composed of three separate parts the waggle phase. The bee runs forwards in a straight line, vigorously wagging the abdomen from side to side. Uh, this produces a buzzing sound with their wings. The duration and vigour of the waggle phase communicates the distance to the food source. The longer the wagger, waggle, the further the destination. We've got the return phase next, and after the waggle phase, the bee turns and circles back to the starting point of the dance to begin again. They may return in a clockwise or counterclockwise direction, which alternates with each subsequent waggle run. Directional information... The angle at which the waggle phase is performed in relation to the vertical is critical. It indicates the direction of the food source relative to the sun, not the actual place they are currently at, but the sun. For example, a waggle run performed on a vertical comb at the angle of 60 degrees to the right of up would indicate the food source is 60 degrees to the right of the sun from the hive. The dance is Which is mad <laughs> because <laughs> when they're doing this, right, they can't even see the sun. Yeah. Because they're in the hive. Oh, it's nuts. Yeah. And the dance is an incredibly precise method of communication. Other bees will um, follow the dancer, sometimes making contact with the antenna to understand uh, better details of the dance. After observing a dance, the bees can then find the food source, even if it's several kilometers away. But there's more. There's variations of the dance. Uh, he is the lord of the dance, said he. Bees use variations of the wagons depending on the context. The round dance, used when the food source is very close to the hive, typically within about 50 meters. The round dance involves the bees moving in a circle, alternating between clockwise and counterclockwise. This dance communicates the proximity of the food, but not the direction. The sickle dance, an intermediate dance between the round dance and the wagon dance, used for food sources that are at a moderate distance. 
The Wago Dance is not just a static set of movements. It can be adapted based on the conditions. For instance, if a food source is moving, like a field of flowers changing with the sun, the dance will change accordingly. Also, the precision of the dance can vary with factors such as the quality of food source and the age or experience of the dancing bee. Um, yeah, just absolutely... Which is nuts. <laughs> it, it, I... So a lot of the work that I do is communication based, but vocalization. But I've read a lot of this literature because, well, insects and behavior are just one of the best foundations you can get for understanding where this stuff came from. And like you can look back through like when these things were kind of first introduced and like the rebuttal papers and people being like, oh, bees don't communicate. What are you saying? Um, when they obviously because back then it was still reserved as humans communicate in a complex way insects can't do that especially insects that don't even have a well insects you know they don't have a spine they're not vertebrates um this kind of communication reserved for higher vertebrates and vertebrates that can plan and have complex brains like you can model the neurosystem of a bee very simply um but the fact that it has this amount of communication that seems quite complicated okay it's very specific right so maybe that this is all they can do but it's still very impressive um so yeah it just blows my mind and it must be innate right okay they learn with experience as you just said bees with more experience can you know perform differently to naive bees but it still must be ingrained in them like unless they see a bee do it for the first time but then they've got to understand it if they're watching someone dance for the first time it's not like they're going oh what's going on there (laughs) <laughs> and they have to like ask the person the bee next to them oh what's he doing why is he shaking his butt like that yeah oh, it means there's food over there mate oh no way that's cool you know that's not happening right so yeah. it's absolutely wild to me it's uh it's, i think it's one of the reasons why i love bees so much yeah just i just I was like cool there's there's a good uh sphere of like tiktok series if you're gonna do it inspiration for you out there to be like be doing it and then a human doing it and then a human doing like the cha-cha and being like oh so there's an aldi like two two miles east of here <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um, it's essentially what it is yeah it's oh, really dear. cool um very very cool and i didn't know about the different variations actually the yeah. circles and the sickle i guess that's named after the the shape yeah. of the lines that they make that's really cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Madness. Going back when you said the royal jelly, what oh, yeah. is royal jelly? Uh, so it's so, an episode of Futurama, mate. Yeah, where he gets stabbed <laughs> and the, he dies, doesn't he? Such a shame. He does. He goes back. So it's a secretion produced by worker bees, used to feed all larvae in the colony. And when a new queen, as you stated, is needed, the larva is selected and fed exclusively a diet of royal jelly, and that special feeding triggers the development of the larva into a queen bee, which is absolutely mad. Royal jelly is a milky white viscous substance composed of water, protein, sugar, fats, vitamins, and minerals. It is rich in nutrients and has been claimed to have various health benefits. Through scientific evidence to support these claims is rather limited. So don't go eating all the royal jelly. Oh, you can uh, get it from Holland and Barrett's for £17. Okay, well, yeah. That's gross. It's, <laughs> it's been used in traditional medicine. It's supposed to be has health promoting properties. Uh, dietary supplements in it's used in cosmetics, skincare, all that stuff. It's said to improve skin texture, boost immune system. Those are all the benefits, but yeah, I don't think so. 
But have we even, you know what? Cast is about. We haven't even, even ex- explained what uh, an apiary is. What do you mean? We didn't, we didn't explain what it is. The game we explained. <laughs> we got sidetracked by the game. Uh, well, I guess an a- an apiary is just a domesticated hive system. Yeah, like a man-made yeah, so, hive system. So location Sorry, where beehives are kept are managed by beekeepers. It's a place yeah. dedicated to the housing, maintenance, and breeding of honeybee colonies. Um, also known as bee yards. Uh, they can be rural settings, urban gardens. Uh, David Beckham. This is a. This is a. You know, keeping up with all the, the latest thing in his yeah. series, he has an apiary in on his property where he, he goes and he gets his honey. Yeah, I really want. I want to keep bees. You know, when I have time to, you know, and money, which I'm sure will happen at some point in my life. Um, bees, bees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so beekeepers maintain apiaries to harvest honey and other bee products such as bee wax, pollen, and royal jelly. In addition to producing these valuable resources, apiaries play an essential role in pollination. The honeybees from the hives visit nearby flowers to collect nectar and pollen, uh, thereby facilitating the production of plants. There is a game that I can't remember what it is, but if you want to like boost your harvest, you can put hives around oh, your cool. plants, and then it like boosts them. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, as I was saying earlier, I think like um, farmers have started like renting. You can like rent bees. You know, basically, you'd come and put a few ape, a few hives. Uh, someone will come and bring a few hives to like the, the edges of your fields, mm-hmm. um, and they are the most effective way to like pollinate all of your uh, crops. Uh, better than like the different fertilizers you can use, all of that kind of stuff. It is just that's that's the way to go, apparently. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, um, I found uh, I googled royal jelly and came across yes. an IMDb article of a film, two point six stars. Uh, a high school social outcast is taken under the wing of a mysterious mentor only to be groomed as the hive's next queen and the tagline for the film called royal jelly is once upon a hive <laughs> so for anyone who uh Christ. has uh some people just really like terrible horror films yeah um yeah royal jelly 2021 big fan big fan one pound ninety nine on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dearie me. Uh, Sharknado is in that in that in that vein. Uh, yeah, that's almost, that's almost like a cult classic already. Yeah, but yeah. when it came out back in uh, twenty thirteen, people were like, "This is ridiculous." But if you didn't yeah. know, there are actually six Sharknado movies already. Bloody hell! Yeah, yeah, that's on. So. Uh, essentially, it was one a year from 2013 to 2018. You got Sharknado, Sharknado 2, the second one, Sharknado 3, oh hell no, Sharknado The Fourth Awakens, Sharknado 5, Global uh, Swarming. That's good, good pun. And then Sharknado 6, The Last Sharknado. It's about time. Honestly, uh, they, they really they went in on the whole cliche titles there, didn't they? They didn't even try and... I think they just accepted their place. They must yeah. have. That's Why is wild. George R.R. Martin in Sharknado? Crazy stuff. Oh, there you go. Maybe he accepted it. He was like, why would I finish Game of Thrones? Then, then you've also got um, Sharktopus. Yes, Sharktopus I have seen, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not by choice. 
but I have <laughs> seen it. Yes. Uh, okay. Other things: Sharktopus versus the Terracuda. Right. Sharktopus versus the Whale Wolf. Whale Wolf. Yeah, like whale. whale and wolf, not yeah, werewolf. whale wolf. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna have to Google yeah. whale wolf now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Christ. Can we 2019? What are people doing? Making that thing is terrifying. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Oh my god. It, there's one point where the werewolf is straight up just like punching the octopus. This is horrendous. I'm just there's a scene here of a very poorly CGI'd front half of a shark with a back half of an octopus attached to it, um, and like the back and top half of a killer whale attached with the bottom and front half of a wolf, and they're staring at each other. Honestly, that's gross. Okay, the, the less said about that, the better. Any more on um, royal jelly or? Uh, <laughs> Other things. Um, other things. B things. Yeah. So, uh, B engineering. We mentioned at the start about how they keep uh, the temperature in hives at 35 degrees Celsius. But mm. there is a remarkable natural engineering that goes into regulating the temperature of hives, particularly honeybees, which need to keep their hives at a relatively constant temperature to ensure the health of the developing larvae uh, and maintaining the viscosity of the honey. Here's how they do it. There's many ways they do it. But here's how they do it. First of all, ventilation. They create an effective air circulation system within the hive, so worker station, workers station themselves in the entrance and fan their wings, pushing hot air out of the uh, hive and drawing cool air in. And some bees even line up in chains to create an airflow from the entrance to deeper parts of the hive. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, just... just what I want to know but, oh, is... Yeah. Sorry to throw in a conjecture here. Like... What the fuck triggers that? Are they just in the deep part and they go, oh, it's a bit fucking balmy down here. I better go waft my wings up there. Like, and then like, there's a collection of them doing it. Is that just pheromone driven? Is that just like... Maybe. You yeah. know, the hive mind? Oh, he's, they're, they're doing it, so I'm going to do it as well. Yeah. Um, what's going on there? I think that they, that's why I find know, so impressive. They must know about like how heat and temperature works because they it's what the one of their ways of attacking intruders into the hive is they yes. swarm and then overheat something, essentially cooking it alive by like oh, hugging it and then beating their win wings furiously to yeah, up their temperatures. Just struggle cuddling wasps until they die. Yeah, yeah. So it, it just blows my mind. Like, how do they know this is what they got to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even okay, even further. Water evaporation on very hot days, bees will collect water and distribute droplets around the hive. They then fan the air to evaporate this water, a process that absorbs heat and cools the environment, much like human sweating evaporations from the skin. Mad. <laughs> Just Again, how did they who taught them to do that? <laughs> Animals are wild. Animals are absolutely wild. Uh, the third one is beard formation. So when it's hot inside the hives, many bees will actually exit and cling to the outside of the hive structure in a behavior known as bearding. This not only reduces the heat inside the hive due to fewer bees, but also allows the bees on the outside to ventilate their heat, their wings, and release heat. That's cool. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Next is insulation and construction. The hive itself is actually an architectural marvel. The beeswax from which the honeycomb is constructed has a high melting point and the hexagonal structures allowed for good air circulation and stability. This, the bees often design the hive structures to facilitate airflow and control temperature fluctuations in its actual, you know, design when they're building it. They must have like serious, you know, they need to like submit planning forms like, hey, yeah, I want to build yeah, this yeah. part on the hive. Is that going to compromise yeah. the structure Some or guy, not? A, a bee with a hard handing clipboard comes around and says, uh, yeah. uh, actually, this ain't up to code. You haven't <laughs> taken into account air <laughs> circulation for this bit. You need, a, yeah. you need to take down that wall. Where are you um, going to store your water droplets Yeah, for uh, heat management? You know? yep. um, the final bit is heat shielding. So bees can also act as living insulation. On cool nights, they cluster tightly around together to conserve heat. Conversely, they can spread out and press against the cumes to absorb heat and shield from the brood from extreme temperatures. So it's not only like they, they come in to like you know warm, but if the heat's too much, they essentially shield the brood from a really extreme temperatures by like hugging the walls essentially to not let the heat in. That's wild. Yeah. I wonder whether being a bee is like being in a cult. For the brood. You just do everything yeah. for the brood under the guise of a queen. Yeah. Essentially, but it's just you know, mon monarchical civilization. Yeah, but it works. You know, for queen and country, it's the same for for the brood. Yeah, maybe that's what happens in a society when you just force the males out into the cold during the winter. <laughs> <laughs> it progresses. <laughs> oh dear, that's really cool, man. Behavior. This is why you should become a biologist, everyone. It's just cool. It's cool. Um, one thing I looked at was rebellion in the hive. Oh, yeah, rebellion, yeah. The, the classic re re rebellion. And I, I follow uh, a couple of beekeepers on TikTok, because, of course, I do. And um, one of them was documenting uh, the story of his hive. Uh, a, a new queen had been introduced, because the, the old one got too old and died and basically she was it was taking her a little bit of time to find her role and, and lay eggs in the correct spots so uh, there's like a designated area and she wasn't laying eggs in like a, a pattern that the worker bees were used to and it if you if you see a bee that's functioning well a queen bee functioning well it's in like a very distinct pattern um and there's no like cells which are missed out that kind of thing she's releasing the right hormones um but basically the hives can decide or the workers decide if their queen bee isn't laying eggs properly you know fulfilling her one main job or she isn't providing a cohesive structure to the hive that they can rear a new queen in secret oh. and stage a rebellion you and this is exactly her. what was happening in in the, the the TikTok. And this guy would come back every day to to show us an, a, an update, and it was really cool. So, a, col a colony of honeybees may, may replace their queen if they sense that the current queen is not performing her duties adequately, or if they sense that she is aging or ailing. And there are several factors that um, will relate to this. So, the first could be egg laying. The primary function of the queen is to lay eggs. If the queen's uh, eggs rate egg laying rate declines significantly 
or in a really weird pattern, then the colony may interpret this as a sign as her failing reproductive capacity and initiate the replacement process. Age and viability, queens have finite lifespans, and as they age, their pheromone production decreases. If the pheromone of the queen um, is too low, it leads to less cohesive colony, and then the bees may go, okay, this queen isn't viable anymore, and they'll stage a coup. And essentially what they do is, without like the queen's knowledge, I guess it always happens without the queen's knowledge, because otherwise it wouldn't really work. Basically, they take some royal jelly and they build a super, it's called a super, super seizure cell, super seizure cell. And they're basically just bigger cells that the queen is, uh, a queen is reared in because they're much bigger than the rest of the colonies. So they need to have special cells. Um, and they, they feed it royal jelly, as Mitch described earlier. A queen is grown. And essentially, they need to keep this a secret from the current queen. Otherwise, the current queen will sting the egg or the, the larvae in the cell and kill it, or they will open it before it's ready so that the, the larvae dies. Um, and what they normally do is they secretly build another two, one, two, or three of these cells, and then basically either the queen finds it first and kills it, or it hatches and then the queens fight to the death, and then the winner rules over the colony from that point forward. Um, but the queen, whenever they hatch, they need to go find every single other queen and make sure that they're the only one. Um, so it's really wild that the the, high, the colony would just be like, "Ah, oh, this ain't working for us. We'll just make a new queen, shall we?" Yeah, go on then. We <laughs> <laughs> a revolution. <laughs> exactly. This turn up with their pitchforks, and be like, "Ah, oh, we, we've got it. We've got another queen. Yeah, You're not needed anymore. Uh, fight to the death." Uh, it turns out in this person's TikTok that the queen, the current queen, did find the other cells. She killed them, um, which is basically her own daughters, I suppose. She killed her daughters, and then she got her act together. So they, they didn't need a new queen in the end. Um, but yeah, just really cool interactions again. Like, who decides that? What yeah. drives that? Because it takes more than one worker bee to kind of go, oh, we need we need to look after that queen. Yeah. Or I wonder whether it's one makes the decision and then the others find it and go, oh, we should look after this. I wonder whether it's that simple. Like individual just, oh, we found a, a queen cell, so we should look after it. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. So, yeah, being a bee is just full of rebellion. And royal jelly in a cult. <laughs> um, we're coming up to the hour. Have you got anything else you'd like to throw yeah, in the show? That's, that's it for bees. That's it for bees. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, buzz off. Time for us to buzz off. Yep. And with that, we shall end the show because that was that was tragic. Um, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, has anyone else out there into beekeeping? Let us know your experiences and any stories you have, because I'd certainly like to know. Um, Is there a name for it if something keeps me? Because there's like, you get pigeon fanciers, 
that kind of stuff. Is there a name for someone that keeps bees? Isn't it just a beekeeper? Oh, let's see. Apiarist? Apiarist. Is that actually it? Yeah, apiarist is a fancy word for beekeeper. An apiarist enjoys working with an unusual kind of pet, the honeybee. That's vocabulary.com. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, Honey farmers, apiarists, or less commonly, apiculturists. From the Latin apis for bee, and obviously apiary comes from that. Um, Nice. Yeah. And if ever I venture into beekeeping, I'll of course keep you all updated on my queen's status. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Not much space for up here in Scotland. And fairly chilly. Yeah, it's not the, right, not the right climate for it. We do it's have bees, though. Scotland. We had bees. Um, I think they were carpenter bees. Uh, in George's garden. And maybe they'll emerge when it gets hot again. But we haven't seen them for a while because it's been getting colder. So maybe there's a colony under the, under the patio. We'll find out. I'll update you all. Right. That'll bring us to a wrap. Thanks for listening. Share this with your friends, families, co-workers, Queen Bee, whatever. And uh, yeah, if you want more fun information science, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at InfoEntryPod. Instagram is InformationEntryPod. We've got some lovely pictures going on up there at the minute. Um, Spotify, iTunes, whichever directory you're listening to this on, you can give us a rate, rating, a follow, like, comment, whatever it is. We appreciate it absolutely massively. And remember, if you've got any questions or topics you'd like us to cover and you don't have the time, we'll do the research for you. So get in touch. Let us know. And uh, we'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we would. And uh, check out, if you're into board games, Apiary, Stonemaier Games. Um, Apiary? Hashtag not sponsored. Um, but yes, it's a good time. It is. Apiary. Cool. And right. again. Apiary. Apiary. Yeah. Nice one. Cool. We'll catch you guys on the flip. Peace. Back now.